Thank you, Jaden. Let us pray. O Lord our God, in the midst of the darkness of this world, we seek your light and life. And as we ponder your word together and the mystery of your being, we pray that your spirit may move in our hearts and that we might be born anew as sisters and brothers bound together in a Christian family. Amen. Well, I haven't mentioned it yet, but I have to begin by mentioning I was at Wembley yesterday for the final of the championship playoffs, and I'm delighted to be able to say that Fulham beat Aston Villa. My apologies to any Aston Villa fans, but I do know that we have some Fulham fans as well as me in the congregation, and uh, we're delighted to be going up into the premiership. Now, I did receive an email from a certain Reverend Martin Turner yesterday. For those who don't know, he was a former minister of this church, and some of you will know that he, Dr. Atkins, and I have a good friend who's a Villa supporter, and this was the message that came before the match to myself and to Leo Osborne. May there be graciousness in victory and no crowing whatsoever. May there be comfort in defeat with a sense of proportion about life. My reply was very succinct. This is clearly spam, fanciful and disingenuous. Unsubscribed until 7 p.m. after the match. Come on, you whites. <laughs> now, the General Data Protection Regulation... Uh, the D-Day was on Friday, and it can't have escaped anyone's attention, particularly if you have email at the moment. The new law seeks to protect our personal data to ensure that those who hold such data have a privacy policy so we know what they're doing with the stuff that they hold about us. And it's been keeping us very busy in the church office. And I've had hundreds of emails, I'm sure you have as well, asking me whether I wish to subscribe or not, or to unsubscribe. And even whether I wish to have the right to be forgotten, which is a new civil right, if you haven't heard about that. It's the concept that individuals can request that personal information about them may be removed or erased and not searchable in the future. And this is actually a good thing when it comes to data protection, and it will get us off loads of lists, hopefully, that we've been on and never knew how we got on there in the first place, because we do have the right now to be taken off. I'd just like to keep that in the background for a moment as I'm speaking, because I want to think about belonging this morning. For infant, infant baptism is about welcoming a child into the family of the church, that they belong to the Christian community. By God's grace, we welcomed Jesse Jr. And we want him to know that he belongs. And then later, he will decide for himself whether he wishes to remain or to leave, to follow Christ or not. And we believe that our loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit never forgets us. It's constantly his will that he woos him, us to himself. 
He wants us to be part of what Peter Edwards, uh, sorry, Gordon called the new community, community of love. He longs for us to be a part of that community, to be subscribers of it, if you like, part of his revolution of love, to quote Archbishop Justin Welby last week. He will never remove us from his grace unless we exercise the right to go our own way. His grace is always there. It's down to us whether we respond to it or not. He will always let us return even if we wander off. There will be the opportunity to come back again. But he loves us enough to give us free will to do our own thing. But he's constantly waiting for us to return to him, for the disconnected to become connected again to our God of love. And one of the things that disconnects us from God's love and grace is our sin. It's a three-letter word with I in the middle. It's when the world revolves around me and no thought of God or other people. And at times we're like that, aren't we? We don't put God first. We don't put other people first. We are selfish. We're often godless. And it's because of what we call the fall that God sent his son into the world to deal with the separation, if you like, that sin causes. Sin in the world and individual sin separates us from God's love. And on the cross, Jesus deals with that separation. He enables us to find a way back, to be connected again with our God of love, to reconnect us with our maker. Now, I may have told you this story before, but it's a good one, so I don't make an apology for telling it again. Forgive me if you've heard it, but uh, one day the back door opened And our daughter, Hannah, who was only six at the time, she's a lot bigger than that now, (laughs) but she burst into the kitchen. She was in floods of tears. And shortly afterwards, her younger brother made an entrance into the kitchen as well. In order to find out what happened, mum tried to listen to their indignant voices that were all going at the same time. And eventually, the noise level lowered, And four-year-old Jonathan summed up the situation whilst waving something in his hand. I didn't really hit Hannah with this big sharp stick, he said. (laughs) One of the things you don't have to tell a child (laughs) is uh, how to be naughty. And it's almost comical seeing him try to cover up something that was blatantly transparent what he'd done with that big sharp stick. I didn't really hit Hannah with this big sharp stick. And it's when his face tries to avoid looking you in the eye that it becomes obvious that this cover-up is being devised. And it's quite amusing. And yet I wonder whether God sees that in us all the time, a bit more sophisticated as we get older. But the truth is, at times, we do things which are not right. 
We try to cover it up. We try to make it presentable in all sorts of ways. But at the end of the day, as it says in the Bible, all have fallen short of the glory of God. No one is righteous, not one. All of us are the same. At times we turn away from our maker and we hide the truth from others. Our deception can be quite effective. And although we pull the wool over each other's eyes, we can't pull the wool over God's eyes. He can see the proverbial big sharp stick that we're waving. And yet, as we love our children, he loves us. His heart is broken that we're not living according to the maker's instructions, but he wants us to discover what he has for us. He wants us to discover life in all its fullness. And when we separate ourselves from him, he longs for us to find a way back because it's always been his will that we walk in love and grace, in communion with our God. He wants us to be not a broken, disconnected community, but a united community of love. I love the buts in the gospel, uh, in our New Testament reading. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish through separation, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, despite the sin that's there, but to save the world through him the butt of the gospel. We belong to God. Even though we wander off, God does something about it. And he longs for us to be united with him. Now, I don't want to give a detailed exegesis of our gospel lesson today because we've had a long service, but I do want to just say one or two things about this wonderful passage. Jesus speaks to Nicodemus when it was dark very significant in John's gospel. In the darkness, Jesus speaks to Nicodemus as he speaks to us in our darkness at times. And the Lord says to him, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again of water and spirit. And what's more, you, if you want to receive eternal life, then you must believe in God's only son. That's what we want for Jesse Jr. We want him to know all that God has for him. And we pray for you as you nurture him and your other children, as we pray for all our children. God wants us to be in a relationship with him. And this is a very Trinitarian passage, which is probably why we've got it on Trinity Sunday. God the Father's love, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, his one and only son, our saviour, and he gives the spirit that we may find new life. That in the darkness we may find light. In this world that so often is dark 
and dismal and hopeless. Jesus wants us to be able to see the hope that he can give us. And the promise is that we may find the Spirit. And it's a promise that goes right back into the Old Testament. Remember the promise of Ezekiel, of water and spirit, and of life-giving wind that would reconnect the disconnected bones, the dry bones, and enable there to be a living, life-breathed body once again. In a sense, the purpose of the Spirit is to connect heaven and earth, to reconnect God's people. So let's look at the Isaiah passage that May read for us. There are three main parts to the book of Isaiah uh, that we simply know as one book. But in the first part of Isaiah, we have the first 39 chapters. And it's the Isaiah of the 8th century. And the focus was on all the crises that had happened that led up to the exile. God's people were broken, disobedient, hopeless. And of these first 12 chapters, uh, they anticipate the judgment of sin that was coming. That is, for the people's disobedience to God's law, there would be a punishment because they were disconnected from God's purposes. But judgment's not the final word. Even in the Old Testament here, there was a promise of renewal and restoration. Something different would follow if people would find that relationship with God rather than separation. And so in our Old Testament lesson today, we have earth and heaven connected again in Isaiah's vision. It's a wonderful passage. In the temple, perhaps during a service, Isaiah, who was the political and religious advisor to the king, was overpowered by a sense of God's presence as he worshipped. He had an intense experience of the divine. Note the six-winged seraphs were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. On Trinity Sunday, I find it very significant, uh, significant, the repetition of three holies. Holy, holy, holy. Our one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a holy God. Yes, set apart from a fallen world because the world's imperfect, but longs for us to be caught up again in his intention and his love. And at that time, we're told that God's presence resided in the holy of holies of the temple. Only the high priest could enter into there, but not so with Isaiah. We don't know where he was in the temple, but we know he was worshipping. And as he has that sense of awe and wonder, he's almost transcended. And he finds he's at one with God and he feels so unworthy. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. But, the but of the gospel, 
But the one who is separated through sin is reconnected by God's grace. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he'd taken from the tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. The butt of the gospel. Yes, there is a fallen sinful world, but God's done something about it. We can be forgiven. We can be cleansed because of Jesus. I once remember uh, Canon David Winter write about this word, but, in the Bible. A word doesn't have to be long to be important, he says. He says, you can see, but gives a crucial understanding to the gospel. But sums it up, he says. But is how we say there's another way of looking at something. It all hinges on the but. The situation is dark and desperate, but God hasn't abandoned us. Evil and darkness often seem to hold sway in the world, but God still has a purpose for creation. Death swallows the whole of human life, but God has made us alive in Christ and given us eternity as well. But recognizes that in the end, all will be well. I had a great time at Wembley yesterday. didn't matter which side you supported, when you go to a football final, you feel that sense of belonging to the side that you're on. And when the supporters get together, and when we scored, normally ardent, tough football supporters, who I'd never seen before in my life, many of them were around me, I suddenly found giving me a hug. It's bizarre. <laughs> Great big guys turning around and hugging me, never seen them before. There was that sense of connection of being a part of the team. And I guess at the other end, they were comforting one another with arms of embrace as well. But if we have any sense of being part of something at a football match, we should have such a greater sense of being part of the family of God, belonging to that community. There's a battle in the world between good and evil, godlessness and faith. And I pray that we will have a sense of being belonging to that community of faith, that we may be reconnected to God in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what we want for Jesse, for as he grows up to find that people he's never seen before hug him because we're all one in Christ. But have we made that decision to receive Christ into our hearts and to receive his spirit to begin again daily what God has for us? You are not forgotten. And maybe somebody here today who feels they've really messed up. Here I am. Send me. Because Christ cleanses you and can use you and will reconnect you
to the almighty revolution of love in this world. Amen. I want us to sing this final hymn as a prayer. And it has the but in the hymn. We've sung it like this before. But I want us to sing, recognizing the questions and the doubts we have. But have confidence that God has done something about it. Amen. Let's stand to sing.